Hi, I'm Jay John. Welcome to Facing the Canon. I'm delighted to welcome back Dr. Michael Youssef, minister, writer, speaker with a global ministry. Dr. Michael Youssef, welcome back to Facing the Canon. Thank you so much. You, uh, I think you're glad for punishment you have oh, me no, a second week in a row. Thank it's you. It's our honor to have you. Thank you. And if you missed the first interview with Dr. Michael Youssef, can I encourage you to watch that and hear more about his story. But today, Michael, I'd like to focus first right. on your book. You have written a few books. Um, these are only just some of the books. Well, and I've chosen two that yes. I'd like to have a conversation sure. with you with. Yeah. And the first one is hope for this present crisis. Yes. Hope for this present crisis. And what I like about it is that you say your little subtitle, mm. The Seven Step Path to Restoring a World Gone Mad. Mad, that's right. So, yes. a world gone mad. Just tell us about that. What do you mean? I'll I, I give you very quickly a, a, a neighbor of mine. Um, just this will illustrate the madness. He is a retired CEO of Coca-Cola. Atlanta is a home of Coca-Cola. And he's a, a lovely man. He's not a believer. He's, he makes that very clear. Saw me one time and he said, explain to me, why is this happening? And it's happening so fast. We're going down the tubes. I mean, he was just talking as a, as a, as a secular man, as a, not a Christian man. And I said, if he sees it, and he's not even a Christian believer, there's something wrong that's going on in our culture. And I'm trained cultural anthropologist. Yes. So I decided to look at what is really happening and then write so that a secular man like him or a believer see the problem, but then provide a solution to the problem. Absolutely. And I deal with areas like the church, yes. where things went wrong in the church. Where things have gone wrong in education, schools, uh, and uh, you know, in the culture at large. And so I select those areas to talk about, sh show the problem, then bring biblical solution to the problems. Absolutely. Yes. Now, here in the book, Michael, you highlight seven yes. principles. Right. Let's just touch on some of these. Sure. So the first one you say, remember the truth. Yes. Okay, the truth about... Any truth now has become relevant. Uh, it's your truth, my truth, his truth. That So when you have that kind of a uh, mindset, is like uh, a, a team of football players yeah. in the field. Everyone has their own idea of how to score, yeah. <laughs> but they're not going in the same direction and, and scoring goals. And so the tr once the truth, that is the absolute truth of God, have been uh, disbanded, Everybody's truth is going to conflict with everybody else, and yes. that's hence we have this crisis right now. Yeah, the crisis is the crisis of the truth. Yes, and when you talk to somebody about the absolute truth, they said, "No, that's just no. your opinion." No, yeah. yeah, and we live we live in a world of truth decay. Yes, I know we live in a world of tooth decay, yes. but it's truth decay. Absolutely, but we know, don't we, Michael, that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Free, exactly. Yes, and that's why we're not free. 
People talk about freedom. Uh, we are in more slavery now than ever had slavery in, in, in the old days, in the old bad old days, because kids are enslaved to the peer pressure. Uh, adults even enslaved to conformity and uh, political correctness, and they're afraid to speak what they know to be the truth because they're going to have cancel culture. I mean, they're going to cancel you. And I said, well, it's a great privilege to be canceled by them because I'm being canceled by the devil means I yeah. am being supported by Jesus. Yes. And so don't, don't be ashamed of it. Just take, take, take the words of Jesus seriously. Blessed are you when they blaspheme you, when they accuse you falsely for my sake. Yes. And so I'm, I'm basically pleading with the Christian community to stand up and not be afraid, not to be rude, to lovingly, with a big smile, say, thus says the Lord. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Your, your second principle here is restore the soul. What do you mean by that? Well, just uh, it, generally speaking, people have, have, have lost their own uh, identity as uh, created in God's own image. As, as men and women who are created in God's own image, not people who are to live according to their whims and desires, because that is going to bring about destruction of their souls. And eternity is a long, long yeah. time. And that's why I tell people, I said, eternity is a very long time. Think about it. Think of where you're going to spend it. And then once they're challenged that way, we know not everybody's going to come and their soul be restored, but at least the ones that within our influence, uh, sphere of influence when they begin to think about it, they, they will find the soul be restored in Christ Absolutely. and in Christ alone. And our life here on earth, I often say, Michael, our life here on earth is just a blip yep. on the eternal screen. Exactly. And we focus so much on the body, don't we? Oh, my gosh. And we Every commercial is, is about, uh, you know, you take care of this part of your body, this part of your body. And then, you know, the, uh, the, the big one I like is that uh, you are worth it. <laughs> Yeah. I said, well, you don't understand. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not worth anything without Jesus. Absolutely. But he is the only one who is like, uh, I, I used to say, a, a basketball is worth $10. I don't know, be 10 pounds here. Yes. But if you put it in the hand of uh, Michael Jordan, one of the great uh, basketball players, it was worth millions of dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. we, in Christ, we are worth, but without Christ, we are, we are not worth him much. No. No, absolutely. And then you move on to your third principle, revitalize the family. Yes, yes. What do you mean by that? Because the family is in, is in disarray. The family is, it, it, and I have never seen, and I've never counseled. I started preaching in, 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 uh, in uh, 72, so I've been 50 years now preaching and pastoring. And, and, and the family is more divided than ever. Uh, the parents are very anxious to put their kids in great schools. Even they have to borrow money, put them in nice private schools. Uh, they're going to have them be in the right place, uh, right uh, companionship, or even the right sport. Yes. But are they in right relationship with God? And, and, and my ministry to parents is be sure that their relationship with God is first and foremost. That's the only way to restore the family and make a family strong, because without Christ, 
the family it will disintegrate. Yes. Now, of course, we have this dilemma with, uh, with, with modern uh, woke uh, culture where the kids and the parents are literally at loggerheads. And I have seen parents sitting in my office literally with tears in their eyes. I say, I lost my son, I lost my daughter, I don't know how to reach them. They have become so woke in their uh, ideology and thinking, and I can't communicate with them. And so this is, this is a big issue. So for younger parents, I plead with them to start young, make sure to put the emphasis on the right things, and that's the spiritual life and their eternity and their walk with Christ. Education, uh, uh, social standing, sports, all of that will take care of itself. But yes. do the right thing first. The, the statistics, Michael, for marriage and divorce it, in the world are so depressing and sad. Yeah. But even more depressing and sad are the statistics of marriage and divorce for those who are Christians. Absolutely. They so, almost mirror the non-Christian, yeah. So why? If they, what's gone wrong if they are following Jesus? Well, I think you're going to find that in, a, in, 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 in one of the next chapters, and that is the church. In the church, we have failed to preach the pure word of God. And we preach every other gospel, even we preach around the gospel, but never preach the gospel. Then that's why Paul could say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the gospel that has the power. And once the church ceased to preach that gospel, the families began to get disintegrated. Yes. And, and, the, and marriage, uh, they become like everybody else. Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm not happy. This is a whole big secret in America now. You know, God wants me to be happy. I said, no, he doesn't. He wants you to be holy. Absolutely. And, and, and happiness only follows holiness. It cannot have it yeah. the other way around. And so when the preaching in the church, and again, it's one of the, the next chapter, has failed to instruct in the word of God and the family, because look, the church is the gathering of the families. So the family and the church yes. are, are, are really almost one unit. Uh, is it John Chrysostom? He used to call the church, yes. uh, the, 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 uh, or the family, the, the, the small church. And it is, it, it, the two are related. And so once the gospel uh, uh, ceased to be preached, and we got positive thinking, have good positive thoughts, and, and possibility thinking, and, uh, and, in, and, and relationship, and uh, following, really God, uh, godless principles uh, in communication, they uh, have failed in the secular world, and yet instead of us looking and said, they failed there, they're not helping. Uh, we, should, we should have our, uh, you know, go back to the scripture. They the churches are following these uh, secular principles, and they're failing too. Yes. You then go on and talk about respect our freedom. Yes. What do you mean by that? Well. In the United States, you know, we, we have the First Amendment, uh, and that is something very precious to Americans. And that now has been absolutely decimated by so many committed left-wing media and politicians that you are only free to say what I agree with. 
Uh, I remember back when I used to be part of a mainline denomination, <laughs> as you know. And uh, the big term in the 80s and uh, the 90s, tolerance, tolerance. Yes. But I was the only one in the convention that was not tolerated. There may be another one, but there were maybe two of us maximum. Yes. So I would ask the question, why tolerance is for everybody else, but not for me? Why are you not tolerating my biblical evangelical views? One lady, very liberal lady, but was very honest. <laughs> she came to me, she said, Michael, are you stupid? I said, well, I hope not. <laughs> she said, tolerance is a buzzword we use to get people like you to shut up so we can get our agenda through. I said, thank you for your honesty. Now I understand and I'll, I'll move on. And we, I moved on outside altogether, left, because that, that, that was, that, that was, uh, so, but the freedom in America now is under attack. Um, nobody's free, and yet the First Amendment said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that men created in, uh, by their, endowed by their creator uh, for freedom and for liberty, and uh, an establishment clause that the government shall not establish, so we don't have an established Church of England, we don't have an established... Yes and therefore the freedom of religion. And yet, school after school after school forbid people from praying publicly, even if it's not in, in a school setting. And every time they go and take it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court, of course, side with the Constitution. But liberty and freedom in America has become so, so rare. Yeah. And it attacked on every corner, from New York Times to uh, the, uh, the, the, the networks, uh, and of course, certainly by uh, government being weaponized against Christians. I've never, never, ever read any time in history, certainly not in our lifetime, where Christians uh, and their freedom have been absolutely curtailed as the days we're, we're living in right now. Yeah, they are. And we need, obviously, wisdom. Yeah. Patience, yes. but courage, don't we? Uh, yeah. To give in or to give up is absolutely, it should not even be on the lips of anyone who knows and loves God. Yes. Because if you love God, you love God's people, and you love people in general, then you must never, never, never give up the truth. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. You go on. I mean, you've touched on this. Uh, reform our society yeah. uh, and revive the church. Yeah. And I mean, basically, Michael, we need a revival, don't we? Absolutely. Without that and without the reviving of the church to back to the old fashioned gospel, to the old rugged cross. Um, a friend of mine used to say he's a businessman. Uh, he's gone to be with the Lord. But he used to say, as goes the pulpit, so goes the pew. As goes the pew, so goes society. Yes. And how true it is we're seeing it now. When evangelical after evangelical pastor saying, well, you know, you need to dump the Old Testament, get unhitched from the Old Testament. Well, that's, you know, some of these stories are just not true. We don't know. And a, a mega church pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, came out and said, well, the, church, the, the Bible is not the Word of God. And you should see the comments from people said, ah, oh, what a, I'm talking godless yeah. people saying, how, 
how refreshing it is yeah. to hear this. And, uh, but they are departing from the truth and, and, and the truth that sets us free is putting us back into slavery. Absolutely. This present crisis, so insightful, highly recommend it. But I want to move on, Michael. And I'm delighted that you gave me a copy of your brand new hot off the press book. Yeah. Is the end near? Go on. <laughs> Is the end near? Well, I have been praying about this for a long, long time. And I've, I've been praying and our mutual friend R.T. Kendall been yes. praying longer than both of us for a revival. And I pray to God that we have, a, we have an awakening, that we see it in our lifetime. And America had two great awakenings and we're praying for a third one. And uh, those great awakenings, either from here, they jumped the Atlantic or from the Atlantic, they jumped here. And I think both countries will be blessed of God if we have one. But then there are certain signs. Uh, I am not, and I, my congregation and people who listen to me on in the media, with a premier or TBN, whatever, God TV, no, I am not an end time preacher. That's not the person with the charts and, you know, Gog and Magog and Armageddon and all of that. I, that's not me. I'm an expositor. I just preach the whole counsel of God, and I go verse by verse. But as I looked at things that are happening in the world, and I held the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25 as a mirror, I began to see some things that is reflected in that mirror. And they came to Jesus, the disciples, in Matthew 24, and they asked a question, actually a double question. And it's what, they were sitting on the Mount of Olives, that's called the Olivet Discourse. Yes. But, and they asked the question, what's going to happen to this building? What's going to happen here? And what are the signs of your, the nearness of your return? And so Jesus gives him two answers. He said, on that day, that's the day when Jerusalem was raised back in 70, took place 40 years later, 70 AD. He said, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. But in those days, talking about the days before his return, and he gives six labor pains because he gives the image of a woman in labor is going to have a baby. Um, obviously, you can have false labor pains and you can have um, um, you know, some discomfort and so forth. But once those labor pains start and and as you know, uh, uh, Brother John, my, um, we have 11 grandchildren. Yes. And I tell my sons, you know, if those labor pains are coming in every hour, you better get to the hospital because they, they come in closer and closer intervals. Earthquakes have always been with us. Um, uh, false uh, messiahs have been always with us. Uh, uh, all kinds of signs and wars and rumors of wars have always been with us. Jesus, in this image he gives us of a, a woman in labor pain, he said, when you see these labor pains are coming faster and faster interval, like every hour or every half hour, or every, then the happy moment, the birth of the baby, the return of Christ is around the corner. And so I took those words and yes. I amplified them. Um, I am not bright enough to give my own opinion. So I took what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and then 25, because he goes, uh, this is, by the way, as you know, it's the longest answer Jesus yes. ever given to a yes. question. 
But then when he goes into 25 and talk about the 10 virgins, I mean, he was saying, here's the sign, here are the signs. Uh, and I, I basically categorized them in six. And when you see those signs, you know the time. And then he says, we're now this 10, five, and five. Five wise, five foolish. Uh, and the amazing thing is they have a lot of in common. They, they both went to sleep. Uh, they both had lamps. And they both had similar things like having students in a, in a school. Yeah. They are the same age, have the same teacher, same headmaster, same building. But then some of them pass the exam, some fail. Uh, the difference is one studied and one didn't. In the same way, when you look at the parable of the wise virgins, that those who had the oil, that is, they were born again, they had the Holy Spirit, they were waiting and ready, even though they were asleep physically like the others, but as soon as the midnight cry came, they lit the lamps and, and, and were prepared. The others were not. And they said, try to think they can buy salvation, borrow salvation, do whatever. It's too late. And so I believe what he's telling us, when the end is near, you better start getting your lamp ready. Yeah, get ready. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 74 now, but I have for a number of years, I wake up and look up to heaven and I say, Lord, if it's today... I have my spiritual bags packed. Whether he calls me home, whether he comes and takes us home, either way is fine by me. And I think this is the way every believer should be living. I think one of the greatest signs of, of genuineness of faith is one's anticipation of the return of Christ. It's really important. I mean, I, I, I tell co the congregation know this. I live for one thing, as what I call the audience of one. Yes. The audience of one. Everyone's, every one of us is going to have it. And so, uh, I, what will I say to him? I tell him how many books I've written, how many sermons I've preached, how many. No. No. But I've been faithful to your word. And, and the amazing thing to me uh, is, is that Jesus, when he says, well done in the last day, is that he never said, much done. No. We have a lot of people busy doing things, but it's not much done, but well done. And I, I, I am thankful to the Lord I don't have too many gifts, but the little, the little gift that he gave me, I want to be faithful with it until the day I see him face to face. His return, when he comes, yeah. what do you think is going to happen? Well, if I understand... What, what he said, and then, of course, the Apostle Paul in the Thessalonian epistles amplifies in this, that there's going to be a shout, there's going to be some sound that the whole world is going to hear, the shout of the archangels, and, uh, and uh, when, when the Bible talks about him returning with a cloud, uh, I, have, I was on a, a radio talk show, a call in, and somebody was asking me, what is that cloud? It's going to be cloudy day. I said, no, in the Bible, cloud is people like we are surrounded. Hebrew said we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And so those who have departed, have gone to glory, been with the Lord, they're going to come with him. And so we meet each other in the air. And um, beyond that, I don't like to speculate, you know, a thousand years or this or that, the other thing. 
All I know is that when he appears, I'm going to be with him and that's enough for me. (laughs) And of course, with him for eternity. Absolutely. And uh, we'll know then as we are known. And that's really, uh, I'm going to, all the things I don't know now, I will know then. That's enough for me. But there is an alternative to that. How do you describe if we choose to reject Jesus and decide we don't want to follow him to heaven? There's a serious alternative. Very serious alternative. And Jesus is the one who tells us about it. We, we, we don't speculate when he talks about the fire that will not die down and the, uh, the worms that will not die. And he talked the, 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 the pain and the suffering that's going to be the lot of those who have rejected Christ makes me want to plead with everyone. Come. Why would you foolishly reject the only one who can give you eternal life Absolutely. instead of torment of hell? Because now hell is not very fashionable. But I don't care about fashionable. I care about the souls of people who are going to be suffering for all of eternity. And there's there's no end to it. It's going on and on and on living. Uh, And and the the amazing part for me, we both have an evangelistic heart. We do. But the man that Jesus told the story, Lazarus and the rich man, when that rich man it didn't die, didn't go to hell because he was rich, he went to hell because he was self-centered. He yes. would not even lift a finger to help Lazarus at his doorstep, and he was in hell in less than a minute, and all of a sudden, out of the pain and the suffering, he became an evangelist. Yes, and he said, "Father Abraham, please have Lazarus rise from the dead." I don't want my five brothers to come yeah. to this place. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, William Booth used to say, is that I, I, all the training of my officers would be uh, not needed. All I need is to send them to hell for two minutes and they will, become back, will come back on fire for Christ, trying to rescue people from going to hell for all of eternity. And that is the thing that gets me up in the morning. That's the thing that keeps me going. Yes. Working harder at 74 than I did at 54 yeah. is because I want everyone who hears my voice to come. And I know you have that passion. I've, I've, yeah. I've seen it in you. Yeah. I've listened to you. And, and we want people to be eternally Absolutely. saved and not eternally damned because that is an eternity. Some people think the soul will expire. It will not. It will be for all of eternity, suffering, suffering for all of eternity in a Christless, dark pit that's bottomless. And that is why we want to say why escape while the escaping is possible. Absolutely. There is good news. Yes. Amen. Dr. Michael Youssef, an absolute honor to have you on Facing the Canon. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I like what Dr. Michael Yusuf said, his spiritual bags are packed and ready to be promoted to glory. Let's make sure our spiritual bags are packed and ready. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. Please join us again next week. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, 
visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. Life's a big and sometimes scary adventure. Like all adventures, it's good to have someone with you and I want to tell you how you can know God as your friend. So begins Knowing God, the first of a new generation of children's books. In this beautifully illustrated book, J. John helps children understand how they can know God as their friend and become a follower of Jesus. Knowing God, available now from canonjjohn.com.